With that, uh, we're ready to lean into uh, God's Word for today as we wrap up our series on generosity entitled, A Life of Generosity. For today, though, I'm just curious, how many of you have already started your Christmas shopping? Can I see a quick show of hands? So some of you have, I have, so I can put my hand up. All right, hands down. Uh, How many of you are overachievers and have finished all your Christmas shopping? All right, all right, there we go. You're the only one that's raised their hand today, so there you go. If you want to know how, go talk to her, because she apparently has that organized and figured out. A few people do that. Well, there's 35 days. I checked this morning, 35 days until Christmas. So you've got some time. You can make some plans. You know, you can buy online. You can go to a local store, whatever it is. What, whatever way you do purchase, odds are, though, you'll probably use a credit card uh, to help make some of those purchases. Uh, interestingly, uh, recently, total outstanding credit card balances have reached an all-time high. You can see this is a chart from when I got my first card back in like 1999 until now. And there's been some, some peaks and some valleys. The first valley, that was right after the Great Recession in 08. And then it rose again right before COVID. And then a bunch of us got stimulus money. Maybe you used that to pay off some of your credit card debt. And we're right back up to where we have been, one of the highest before. And this, this shows you a breakdown of all the states in the country. Uh, the darker Uh, numbers are some of the highest credit card debt and the lighter green colors some of the lowest credit card debt. But on average, U.S. Americans who have a credit card carry a balance of $6,569, right, of outstanding balance. In Illinois, we're right in the middle of that pack, uh, 26 out of 50, with 6228 Now, uh, we use a credit card, Team Grinder does, for just about everything, pay it off every week. It's set automatically, so we don't carry a balance. But if, for example, you had a, just a $2,000 balance you carried and you only made the minimum payment, how long do you think it would take for you to pay off that $2,000 balance? All right, 16 years, 20 years. If you just made the minimum payment, this is according to bankrate.com, $2,000 balance, 18%, um, it would take 370 months or a little over 30 years to pay it off. Isn't that crazy, right? That's how they hook you and catch you, right? And so uh, whether that's a struggle for you or not, the point I want to make today is there are wise and unwise ways of using money. And what our time in God's Word today will be directing us to is uh, God's best when it comes to how we leverage what He has given to us, how we use our money. So we've been looking at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We're going to wrap up today in the last part of chapter 9, focusing on how Paul talks about gardening and sowing seeds in association with our generosity. So we'll pick up here in verse 8 where Paul says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now you notice there, I underline the word all four times, Paul uses that in just this one verse, starting with the first one there, all grace. Um, What does all grace look like? It looks like Jesus uh, wildly, boldly, joyfully sowing his seeds of love for us. You might even say recklessly scattering his mercy and grace. It culminates, of course, with his innocent death on the cross. Right, shedding his blood, even though he didn't deserve to die, dying in our place, uh, buried in the grave, rising from the dead to live and reign for forever. And his good news of his never-ending love, his abundant grace, has been spread to all the corners of the earth and continues to this day. 
I don't know if you saw the headline this past week. Uh, they're saying the eight billionth human was born onto the planet. All right, that's an estimate, of course. Right, but out of those eight billion, there are some three, three and a half, four billion followers of Jesus. Right, and so from this one man, some two thousand years ago, with some of his followers, this good news of his grace has been spread and continues to be spread throughout the world. Lives have been changed, whole communities transformed, and it all goes back to his grace. Paul says at the end of our chapter, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Right, super important to start there. All of our generosity, all of our life is grounded in, based upon the undeserved and abundant grace that God gives to us. Okay? And so then it goes here. Verse 9, Paul says, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, I don't know about you, but what I have discovered is for as long as I'm reading the Bible, it seems like every single time I see something new that I didn't notice before. Even though I've been through 2 Corinthians, I don't know how many times, I don't know if I ever really paid attention to the psalm that Paul was quoting, Psalm 112. You see, I noted that there. And if you go back to the psalm, what you realize is that the psalmist there is writing about what a Christian or a follower of Jesus or a believer should look like and act like. Because on the surface, I looked at this, I'm like, oh, he's talking about Jesus, right? He scatters his, uh, his love and his mercy abroad, right? And his righteousness endures forever. And that's certainly true about Jesus, right? I'm not saying that's not true. But, but both Paul here in 2 Corinthians and Psalm 112 is actually describing the life of a believer. It's saying that you, as you grow more like Jesus, you, you are to scatter abroad what God has given you and your righteousness in Christ also endures for forever. That's an amazing thing to think that God wants to have his righteousness live and grow in and through what we say and do. Now, there was a man um, a number of years ago uh, who became the first billionaire on the planet. Um, when he was young, uh, he spent all of his best time and energy making money. So by the age of 23, he was a millionaire. By the age of 50, already a billionaire. Every decision, his attitude, every relationship was tailored by him to make money, to gain power and wealth. But three years later, at the age of 53, he became very, very sick. And his body became racked with pain and in complete agony, the world's only billionaire at that time uh, could only digest milk and crackers. Imagine that's all you could eat every day. Terrible pain, can't really eat anything. An associate wrote of him at the time, he couldn't sleep, wouldn't smile, and nothing in life meant anything to him. His personal physicians predicted that he would die in less than a year. Any idea who this is? Aha, uh-huh, you got it. John D. Rockefeller. Born in 1839. Right, this is a picture of him in around 1900, uh, after he built Standard Oil into one of the largest oil companies in the world. So what happened is, John D. Rockefeller woke up one morning in the midst of all of his pain, and he decided to live very differently. He announced that he wanted to channel all of his assets to hospitals, research, and mission work, and on that day, he established the John D. Rockefeller Foundation. This new direction eventually led to the discovery of penicillin. Anyone ever taken penicillin? 
all right? Uh, it led to discovery of cures for malaria, tuberculosis, diphtheria. But perhaps the most amazing part of the story is that the moment he began to give his money away, his body chemistry was fundamentally changed. And he rapidly recovered. As you can see, if you do the math, he lived to almost 100 years old, 97 when he died. I, I mentioned the story after the, and after the first service, a friend came up and said her dad actually saw Rockefeller one time in New York City driving down the streets, throwing cash out the window of a car, right? Um, sowing his seed. What's the point of all this? A seed is meant to be scattered. And money is not meant to be hoarded and kept as if it's all that we hope for and hold on to. It's meant to be shared. And what Rockefeller teaches us is that misers are miserable. Maybe you like to watch the Christmas Carol, right? Uh, same basic principle is true there of Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, another quote, this is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you know him. He was a pastor in uh, Germany during the time of World War II. He says this, Earthly possessions dazzle our eyes and delude us into thinking they can provide security. Yet all the time, they are the very source of anxiety. And he goes on to say this, If our hearts are set on them, our reward is an anxiety whose burden is nearly intolerable saying kind of the same thing that Rockefeller lived and experienced. We think that if we have enough, have more, we'll be happier, more successful, more secure, but the opposite is the case. Instead, it often leads to misery. Now, we're talking about gardening today, too. Um, now's not a time around here to be planting gardens. In fact, you may not even be able to dig. The ground's kind of frozen, at least on the top. But uh, maybe it's the time to clean up your garden, or like Team Griner, we cleaned out our shed a few weeks back. And when we were in the shed, we discovered a bag filled with a bunch of different seeds that apparently I bought over the years, but we never planted, right? So beets, beans, I don't know what else was in there, but all of these seeds that just stayed in the bag and never went into the ground. Maybe you've had that before too, right? The best of intentions, but you never actually plant them. Here's the thing. Seeds don't do anything unless they are put in the ground, unless you sow them, right? Uh, here's what Paul goes on to say, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, what Paul reminds us is that everything we have comes from God. His, he gives us the seeds, the resources, whatever we have, and then he invites us to use them in a way that honors him and blesses us and others. Now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, right? What I have, I earned. Like, I worked hard. I went to school. I got a degree. I've been putting in the hours. I got the promotion. I got the bonus. It's mine, right? Um, but then you ask the question, well, who gave you the intellect in the first place? Who gave you the physical abilities? Who gave you the opportunity for an education or an economy in which you could invest, prosper, and grow? Where did that all come from in the first place? This morning I was reading uh, in First Chronicles chapter 29, my morning Bible reading time, and it comes at the end of the life of King David. And he's setting up his son, Solomon, to be king in his place and then to build the temple. And at the end of that book, 1 Chronicles 29, it describes how David set aside a vast amount of his own personal wealth and then invited the leaders of the tribes of Israel to do the same thing. And at the end of it, verse 9 says this, this is where we're going to pick up. 
Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. And then David prays a blessing over the people and their generosity. He says, carrying on in verse 10, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our fathers forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that exists in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And this kind of language we're familiar with in the Bible, right? The Bible says really clearly, God created everything. Everything that exists, he created. Everything we have comes from him. Everything we have also ultimately belongs to him, right? So continuing in verse 14, uh, David says this, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have and have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. What is David saying here? What is Paul reminding us of? Everything that we have ultimately belongs to God, comes from him, and is entrusted to us for a season and a time. It doesn't actually belong to us. We just are to take good care of it and to use it in a way that honors God, blesses others, and in return, we will experience blessing as well. That's why Paul says next, you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And then in verse 12, for this ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. Remember, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, he's, he's gathering a fundraising effort for the poor in Jerusalem. So he's talking about that, but saying it also is bigger than that. And it also overflows in many thanksgivings to God. When you sow generously, when you give generously, what you do is you transform lives both now and also for generations to come. You help children grow up to know and follow Jesus. You help young people who are wrestling with big life decisions do so in a safe community. You help widows find a home. You help orphans also belong. You help feed and clothe and nurture the world through your generosity here and in ministries all across the community. Lives and communities are transformed as you become more like Jesus, and you can expect a harvest from what you sow and thanksgiving to abound. Maybe you've heard this phrase, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. Right? Um, I, don't, I don't know who said it originally. It's kind of out there in the world. It might be on a bumper sticker or a meme, but the point is simple, and I think you get it. Uh, we don't know what will result from the seed that we sow, but God does from the beginning. And just like an apple tree you plant in the ground suddenly produces a tree that produces a bunch of fruit that eventually can become a whole grove and maybe even a whole forest. In the same way, what God calls you to give generously and invest in has the ability to lead to transformation as well. Now to close, um, what happened to these Christians in Corinth? Right, Paul wrote them this letter, longest section on generosity from the Apostle Paul, chapters 8 and 9. He's challenging them to finish what they were pledged to and had committed to starting in the beginning. Um, it'd be curious if we could find out, did it work, right? 
what happened next. And in fact, we can. The oldest document from the Christian church that's not part of the New Testament is a letter written by a church leader named Clement. It's called First Clement. And in it, he describes a number of things. He's writing, of all people, to the church in Corinth. And he writes specifically, in part of it, chapter 2, verse 1, about their generosity. And he says this is what people know about the Christians in Corinth. They are giving more gladly than receiving. It's amazing. God spoke through the Apostle Paul, challenged them to get back to what they had originally intended to do, to grow more like Jesus, to give generously. And 12 times in that chapter, he used the word grace. Right back to where we started, the amazing, abundant, never-ending grace of God. It literally transformed them from being self-centered, self-serving, and not generous enough to more and more like Jesus. And they were known for giving more than receiving. And the same can be true for us today as well. So that's our challenge, to accept the invitation of Jesus, to give generously, to sow abundantly, and in so doing, we can await an abundant harvest and many thanksgivings that go back to our God and Father who has given us all. So let's get started. Amen.